0: Redefining narratives and shifting perspectives. This is Story Noir.
1: Hello and welcome back to the Story Noir podcast. This is Opal and I'm super excited to be here with you today. I am joined by somebody who is self-described as a wannabe YouTube celebrity that likes horror movies, someone who is also very near and dear to my heart. They are an influencer, they're a YouTuber, they're a podcaster, but I think most importantly they're a cat parent, a mother, a hard-working individual who I've had the pleasure of knowing for the better part of a decade, almost two decades at this point, someone who. I remain to be all inspired by, and I'm super excited to to bring onto the show. So, who are we talking with today? Tell the people. Hi,
0: my name is Raven. I'm everything you just said. I'm definitely, a- aspiring. I'll say rather than wanna be YouTuber and and uh, <laughs> influencer. I as- I aspire to influence. Um, <laughs> but I'm just I think of myself as a creative. I am a passionate individual. And that just kind of comes out in like every aspect of my life. So, you know, I'm glad at least my close friends noticed that about me and we've able, we've been able to like stick together because of those like creative tendencies that I feel we both share.
1: Absolutely. And so as I mentioned, we've been friends for almost two decades, one of my longest lasting friendships, what I would call a legacy friendship. But I think something that's remained true is the fact that both of us have always been kind of the weird kids. And I think that yeah. weird, not in a pejorative way, maybe pejorative in the sense of like what other kids saw us as. But I saw you as like, okay, this is someone who is a little bit different in their own right, very much yeah. grounded in who they are. are. We're, we're literally sitting um on in this conversation, uh you have your purple hair, you have your plush dolls, like your shirt. It says support your local coven. So yeah. very much witchy crystal vibes, you know. And so what would you say was one of the things that kind of what why why are we friends? What what made you want to be friends with my little second grade self?
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know, I just feel like the people that are like different and unique just tend to gravitate towards each other. Um, I've always been called like an old soul. I've definitely yeah. been called like a weirdo, unique, and I've kind of like, just embraced it and made it my personality. And I feel like the people like us who are like that, who are a little bit different, maybe outcasts in a way, we just tend to find each other because like, we can't really relate as well to other people who are not to be insulting, but kind of just like everybody else or try to be just like everybody else because everybody's different. Everybody's unique. I truly believe that. But there's some people who just like refuse to like be their own person. And they think the best thing is just to be as liked by as many people as possible and kind of suppress what makes them them to fit in with the crowd.
1: Yeah. And if
0: that's what you want, that's what makes you happy. That's great. But like, I feel like you and me, And a lot of personally, my other close friends I've had over the years just refuse to do that because that's boring. Yeah. So who else are we going to be friends with except for the other interesting different people? You know what I mean?
1: Absolutely. And so our foray into friendship started, as I said, in second grade, the school that we went to, I'm not going to necessarily name names, but I would say and, and I'll see if you agree that a lot of the people there wanted to fit into whatever, you know, stereotypes or whatever things, you know. We're yeah, going on. There was a
0: box. Yes, there was for sure a box that you needed yeah. to fit into, yeah. and um, you know, I I feel like I can I can definitely say this. I know you might be thinking this, but being a white person, I know that a part of that box was being white, fairly thin, sporty. Maybe they all wore wearing a similar outfits to each other, mm-hmm. and if you kind of like went outside of that box, you were weird, you were strange. Oh, and God. I remember even being a child and other kids like laughing or being or saying something was strange and me just saying like, Oh, that's a normal thing. One thing particularly I remember, I think this was probably first or second grade. I went to the bathroom and I was going to the bathroom. Like I was peeing like, and a bunch of girls were in the bathroom just like talking and they heard me and they were like, "Ew, someone's actually going to the bathroom and they left. And even me as like a seven year old was like, it's the bathroom like but all those other girls like they were just like yeah it's so weird ha 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 like all together I don't think i of even actually thought that but it's like oh this one girl said it so I'm just gonna like go with her you yeah. know I'm not gonna be the odd one out being like but it's the bathroom you know what I mean yeah
1: no those girls were were definitely you know mean in in whatever sense of the word but the parents if we remember the parents of those
0: girls, and here's the thing: is like the parents like had definitely had their own skeletons in the closet, and I think part of it is they were trying to hide it and just have this like outwardly like image of being like that perfect like Bay Area healthy juice soccer mom type thing, and they projected that onto their kids like we are just a normal family like everybody else, so you are just a normal person just like everybody else. Blah blah blah. It was all you know, it was, it was all just like projection. It wasn't real. None of it was, they were all like hiding their own selves, suppressing their own selves and putting that onto their kids. And meanwhile, our parents were, my mom always told me like, my mom's a weirdo. Like I'm Mm -hmm. okay with saying that she was a weirdo. She was different than all the other parents and she Mm -hmm. knew it and she never tried to be different. Yeah. And I remember like, being embarrassed back when I was a kid like oh my god mom you're so weird my mom was just 100% unapologetically herself I remember and when I was a kid having all those other projections from the other kids I was like oh my god my mom is weird but as I grew older I was like Mm -hmm. no like I want to be like that I want to be like myself and I don't care what anyone has to say about it because I'm happy because I'm being me at the end of the
1: day absolutely
0: so no. Yeah. And, and I feel like you were kind of the same way.
1: Yeah. I would say for you, like being different, your mother was, you know, it wasn't like we were living up in the Ken- in the uh, the city of Kensington, I guess we could say. Uh, we were not Kensington residents. And I think that that was one thing that made us separated us from a lot of the crowd. And then also for me, I can speak for myself being adopted a transracial adoptee I already looked different than a lot of the kids at the school but of course my parents looked different because they were a lot older and then your mom was a single mom and so that also was like okay that makes it a bit different and so it was it was hard for us and so it was like yeah, yeah. we and we, I was fat so <laughs> hey and and that was also a it was like okay you know we look different than than all those other little kids you know eating little Annie's mac and cheese it was like oh well we're, we're out here eating the free lunch and also delivering free lunch if you don't remember it, 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 I do remember like we were we were school volunteers and so I think that that was something that really brought us together and sustained us through um middle school and high school and even college and so in middle school I think the make or break between elementary school and middle school a lot of friendships kind of you know fizzle out especially if you don't right. go to the same middle school but we stayed Before. together we prevailed mm-hmm. And I feel like even b- back then, exactly, somehow, some way, but we we would hang out, we would do what we could to preserve the friendship. And then we also ended up going to separate high schools in completely different cities, but somehow we stayed in touch. And so as adults, I felt as though we got closer and kind of reflected upon the things that brought us together, which is, some, which is why we're even here having this conversation today. And so um, I would say, do you remember the book fairies? Oh my God! I was, was waiting for you to bring up the book fairies. Well, Tell first the what I want to say,
0: I feel like what kept us together was that bond we had being weird and different, and that's just like mm-hmm. a bond that you can't. Like, I had plenty of like normal friends, but the friends and, that I kept with over the years were, were all the people I had a very specific bond with, and you're mm-hmm. one of them. But okay, the book fairies. We yes. were in Let's take fifth it back. grade, and fifth grade was was quite the year for us. Oh, it we was went, hard. We was went hard. through a lot of a lot of stuff um a lot of phases that made us weird and different and we yeah. just did not care book Fairies, there was a little um bookcase that was kind of like l-shaped it kind of like boxed into the corner mm-hmm. and separated the little library from the rest of the classroom mm-hmm. and you and me like being friends with pretty much each other and like one or two other people mm-hmm. we when we wanted our own space like to read and whatever and all the other kids were like reading and chatting and doing whatever we just wanted to be on our own So we would kind of sit in that corner of the library and just read. And then us being creatives and having this amazing imagination that we've always shared, we were like, okay, so we're not just going to read in the corner. We're the book fairies. We're going to help other people. They want to find a book. They'll tell us what they're looking for and then we'll find it for them. like you and me always had this thing where we like wanted to help. We wanted to do more hence like the delivering lunches to kindergarten, kindergartners. And that eventually switched to us staying with the kindergartners during lunch to like help them out. Um, I feel like when you come from a place where like, you know, struggle, <laughs> you, you'll you do whatever you can within your own resources to help. And we've been doing that since we were small children, which is another, I think, really good thing about us. And, you know, the kids who never had the struggle and had like those three story houses and whatever, they didn't know what that was like. So they never felt the need to do that. Not calling anybody out. Obviously, there's rich people who help, but that's where you and me come from. So anyway, the book fairies. And, you know, we were always into, like, witchy stuff. And I always said that I was a fairy back when I was a kid because I always wanted to fly. And <laughs> so you and me were the book fairies. And then that swiftly got taken over by the other kids.
1: But mm. that's mm-hmm. what
0: that's what book fairies was about at first, yes. so. <laughs> and it, and it,
1: you know what? I will say that it'll always remain tried and true. We knew what it was for. I really think it led us into who we are today, again, as giving people, as creatives. And so that I will always, you know, I do remember when we were uh <clears throat> sieged, but you know, that's okay. We we did what we could at the time with what we had. And I would say that also one of the things that brought us together, if you remember, um kind of juxtaposing it with books, um, uh frolicking around and behind the library. So if you remember there was like a lot of thick brush, there was a lot sure. of there were a lot of hills. So talk me through that, because we we used to get lost in nature, like not even knowing what we were doing. We were just, you know, playing with sticks and rolling around the hills and the grass.
0: Exploration, adventure, what's not Mm -hmm. to like about that? We did with what we could, you know, every day I being personally me having a single mom, like she couldn't pick me up right after school. And Mm -hmm. my grandparents lived by, but they worked. My grandma was also a teacher, you know, so Mm -hmm. sometimes I wouldn't be able to get picked up until like 6 p.m., like hours after school ended and you know we we couldn't afford the after school and so sometimes I would just have to go to the library if I didn't have like you know after school drama or pottery or whatever we would just go to the library and he'd be there and a bunch of other kids would be there and you know after they left it's kind of like what's what's left to do there's this whole empty space let's just get lost in our minds for a little while get in our own adventure that's always kind of been my thing personally and and you can probably relate as if there was nothing left to do, there was always my mind mm-hmm. to explore to get lost in. And the library um, behind there was like a whole forest kind of and mm-hmm. near where like the park was and this whole hill. Mm-hmm. It was endless to a small child. You know, yeah. there is just so much in there and you could create stories as you go. And it didn't matter if you know, there really was nothing. It was just trees. You know, that's where the fairies lived. That's where there was monsters back there that we had to hunt. You know, that's where the that's where the witches did their rituals, and yep. we were we were trying to find them. You know what I mean? It's it's just we needed something to ex to like exercise our brains, and and there was never a shortness of that. We were always able to to find that to do
1: that and I feel like it's still true today like even at our age even in our mid 20s we I definitely still go away you know when things are a bit overwhelming to go into like the forest to you know sit and try to also find the fairies and you know the gnomes and and all of the other you know magical creatures that live out there and so one of the things that you and I particularly we we were the cool weird kids but we always were very smart we always were very book totally. driven. We were always, you know, even if it wasn't perfect grades all the time. We did quite well in school. And so, when thinking about going to college, I, you and I both went to pretty prestigious high schools. And so, when you were thinking about going to college, um when you were graduating from from high school, how did you come across the major that you that you eventually chose to to go for?
0: Well, I majored in theater, um just generally in theater and I kind of specified when I was in college. But I always knew that I wanted to do that. I mean, in high school, I've been doing the plays that we had two a year, a play and a musical every year. Um, And I was always involved in that. And that was like the only time where like, I wouldn't say I felt like I fit in because even in that crowd, like I still like, you know, if you weren't the top actor, you didn't fit in with the sub actors. And Mm -hmm. if you weren't a techie, you didn't fit in with the techies. And I tried Mm -hmm. to be everything. Um, And it just didn't quite work. But I still had a lot of friends there. Mm -hmm. And I was just personally happiest when I was on stage. Mm -hmm. Even if nobody else on the stage liked me backstage, I was happy on stage, Mm -hmm. you know. So I just thought, like, why would I want to do anything else? Because if this is the only thing that makes me happy, Mm -hmm. and it's the only thing I've ever really wanted to do. Mm -hmm. So and I, I knew back then that, like, that's not a major that's gonna immediately get me a good career, like if I majored in business, or if I started like a nursing program or something like that. But mm. I would have been miserable if I did that. Yeah, I'd probably be making tons of money right now, but I would hate my life. Mm-hmm. And I would rather love my life than have money than you know, than do anything else. It's like, what's the point if you don't follow your passion? So that's what I did. And I always knew it was never a question in my mind that I would do anything other than theater. And so yeah. the whole time I was applying to colleges, I was just looking into what had the best theater programs. What could I get into? where I could just do theater mm-hmm. every day and it, it was literally never a question that I would do anything
1: yeah and I want to circle it back to even in elementary school we were in some place together do you I remember um child of the war the world excuse me um okay. that was uh, I still actually, have
0: that on DVD I have uh, it it's in yeah. my um it's in my movie case somewhere
1: yeah so, so do I. I I found it when I moved uh last year and I was like oh lord I am not about to play this disc but that was oh, in big... the tempest <laughs> oh don't even get me started on you were
0: that. like what were you you were the son who was trying to marry the
1: daughter you're trying to marry miranda whatever I, that guy's name was it, it was it it was a far ahead of its time because it was like hey i we were you know i was playing someone up with like another gender like and that was like not I a big was deal back
0: we were both we were both playing men. <laughs> yeah and so
1: like maybe we were ahead of our time you know, even even then, like inclusion was on top of our minds. You know, even as little elementary school kids, and so that's remained tried and true. Like I like to say, you know, when I talk about you and my personal life, of like Raven remains to be my one of my oldest friends, but she always has remained true to who she is. Like I would say, you know, of course we've grown, we've matured. You know, we've had life happen to us, but we we're pretty much the same as as when we were little kids. Again, I could always pull up and and be like, hey, let's go to the forest, and it'd be like yeah no problem like let's go to yeah. like a cabin and like frolic around it's like cool let's let's definitely sounds do
0: super that. fun I would I, love to do I, that even <laughs> at the,
1: even at our big age we like let's open up a book and like throw down the tapestry and just you know read some cards like that it's something that has remained you know as a through line and so even through college so you went to college out of state a lot of my friends uh including myself we I remained in state I only went to school like 50 miles away from where I grew up but what was that like leaving home? Because that can be oh a little God, bit scary. It was
0: great <laughs> <laughs> oh I was so okay
1: tell me more anyway,
0: I needed to get away let me tell you I did not apply to any California school.
1: Oh okay to-
0: to the, uh, the key mental my mother who got so angry with me. D- senior year of high school was terrible for me because my mom was just constantly yelling at me and getting angry at me because I chose not to, um, apply to any UCs. And so I was applying to all these big schools that either we couldn't afford or like, I wasn't getting into them. Most, I got into a lot of schools. Like I got into like university of Oregon and, and I got into one in Colorado and stuff and, There's ones that I really wanted to go to that we just couldn't afford. And I applied to them anyway, but she's like, why would you even do that? And um, she was just constantly getting so angry. She's like, why do you want to go so far away? Why do you want to leave? And I was like, this, this is why, (laughs) because our relationship was after my brother went to college and it was just me and my mom, I was just like, I need to get away. I just from this, because it's too much for me. And I know like, if I stay local, I'm going to have all the same issues and, I want my independence. Like I've never really been independent. I was never the type to like, go out at night. I was Mm -hmm. never the type to like leave for with my friends for a couple days and go on trips. I was such a homebody. And I was like, I as much as I love California and the Bay Area, I don't want to be one of those people who never left. So I decided like college is the time I'm an adult now. And I'm just gonna like find out who I am and be that person and not be scared anymore. Because a lot of like I even though I am who I am and I always kind of have been there's a lot of stuff that I had repressed and was like afraid to talk about afraid to try Ooh. to do to try to look to try to act because of my family
1: um, what were some of those things and, if I may ask
0: yeah totally so like my mom always let me like change my hair and whatever, right and um but there was like other stuff like piercings and tattoos that my grandparents specifically were like super against and Mm -hmm. my mom was okay with like a nose stud and a little stuff here and there but there was I just wanted more I wanted Mm -hmm. to explore more of that without any judgment without feeling like I had to hide it and even like bigger concepts like sexuality like I always thought that I was like straight and then in high school some feelings tried to creep in that maybe I wasn't but I just was like no like my family's not as accepting as they are, like not saying anyone in my family is homophobic. And if I, I did come out to them at the time, then they probably would have accepted me. But I was just like, so scared because of like, uh, religion at the time, and we used to go to this church. And it was just, I just didn't want anything to be different or come out or like do anything that would kind of challenge the relationships I had with my parents, because I had a lot of friends who were starting to come out as like gender fluid and like bisexual and things like that. And I remember my mom being like, I don't understand, like, why do you have to identify like dad, blah, blah, blah. And so I was like, these are my friends. If I was like this, like she would just get angry. My mom used to get angry a lot. And she's gotten better over the years. She's like, not like that anymore, but um, she's always nice to my friends. But behind closed doors, she would always get very angry and understanding my mom's past with like my dad, like dying and, being a single mom and not having a whole lot of help, I can understand why she was so angry all the time. And she would take it out on us, me and my brother, but she wouldn't mean to, but that got really bad when it was just me and her. And that's why I felt like I had to hide anything that wasn't status quo with my mom. Right. Just because anything could have made her angry at any time, you know? And I was like, I have to get away. I think that's the only way that this like relationship is gonna get better. Maybe if I leave, she'll like realize that part of that is why I needed to leave, you know. And it did work. Years later, it worked. <laughs> but she was very angry that I left at first. But that just proved to me that that's why I needed to do it, you know. And this first year of college, I started exploring gender. I started exploring sexuality. Um, I, you know, sometimes I was like, I'm going to dress like a boy just to see how that feels just because I can. And I found out that I was bisexual and I dated a girl and I started doing my hair and I got more piercings and I got tattoos and I didn't have to hide it. And I could leave. And I didn't have to tell anybody where I was going. And I didn't have to like fear getting a text at midnight saying, where the fuck are you? Like, not that my mom ever said that, but that kind of energy, you know, and like being scared if I ever missed a call. I didn't feel that anymore. All of that went away immediately when I went to college. And it was the biggest relief. And even though I didn't like that school, I (laughs) loved the independence that it gave me being several hours away from anybody that I knew. You know? So yeah. That was long-winded. I'm sorry. (laughs) No,
1: that was really, really helpful. And like I relate to so much of it. I again, I know that I didn't go super far away from school, but just not living in fear. I feel like looking back, you know, As spiritual people, I know that, you know, we've probably gone through our own spiritual awakening and we can talk a little bit about that, but realizing that we were living in so much fear because of our moms or I guess because of our caretakers. And again, they, we give them credit for what they've done. You know, we honor and respect that, you know, they raised us into the, you know, baddies that we are today, but it's like, they lived in a lot of fear because, you know, that's just all that they knew. The status quo was what they knew, deviating from what is the norm is what they knew, but you know we're here to kind of take that back and reclaim that narrative yeah. and i think living in that fear and because of the fact that you know both of us in our own right we're kind of resource strapped we started working at a very early age and so um i got we talked about um this on your podcast um a really awesome episode that everybody should go and check out we'll plug it um towards the end but we talked about having to work which is great work ethic is something that you know we we all need to have But would you say that part of you working at such an early age was out of that fear of like, I have to have money or else we're going to run out again, I might be projecting I definitely know that that was like something for me, but kind of what motivated you to get your first job at at such a young age?
0: Yeah, totally. Well, it was just like that independence for me, Yeah, you know, like not having to rely on other people and it in a way like being able to like leave whenever I wanted to Mm. and I can't do that if I don't have my own money. And also just like in the summer, like being back with my mom and for the first like couple of years of college, she was still kind of resentful that I had left and gone so far away because my mom loved me. But again, like her, her like feelings, she hadn't quite like worked them out yet Um, for like being angry and, and like judging me for like being different. And well, because she, she wanted me to be liked by others. She didn't want me to like feel pain from being judged by others. But she kind of like <laughs> tried to like fix it in a way by like judging me first,
1: yeah, and telling me like
0: people are gonna think you're weird because of this, people are gonna think you're weird because of that, and I was like, mom, I don't think I can stress to you enough that I don't care. So like, um, so it was still that. So like being home, and her like still projecting that on me and being like, why did you do this? Why are you? At- you're not changing, are you? Blah blah blah. When I totally was, and so part of getting a job was just like I needed something else to do during the day. And just pleasing my mom um, by being independent and being a working person, because as long as I didn't have a job and I was home with my mom, she was angry at me because I didn't have a job. So that's tough. um, That was yeah, that was for the first like two years of college. And then after that, like I I had like a regular job and whatever. But yeah, like first working at 18. um, Yeah, having that money, I had two jobs. So I was gone all day during the Mm -hmm. summer and making friends which is also a big part of it for me like just just being social and Mm -hmm. and yeah having money to do whatever I wanted with and Mm -hmm. having my car to go wherever I wanted Mm -hmm. and just keeping that independence when I
1: was home from college you know no absolutely and I think another part of you know that hyper independence is the expression that self-expression and so you had touched on piercings you had touched on hair I want to touch on tattoos because I feel Please. like you and I have a very special relationship with tattoos. It's because of you that I uh, had the courage to get my first tattoo. Uh, we can get into that story in a little bit, but did you want to kind of talk about some of the tattoos that you have? How many, maybe what your first one was Um, and, you know, anything else you want to share? Yeah, gosh, I, th- I have a whole episode on my podcast
0: also about tattoos. So like, check that out.
1: <laughs> um, Absolutely. And
0: Yeah, I have, gosh, I just got another one. I think I'm up to nine now of tattoos. Um, I know my first one was on my wrist. It's a little, I'll show it to you on the camera, but it says beautiful mistakes. And it's a lyric from the song Cardboard Castles by this artist named Waski. It's kind of this like underground rapper guy. And he's been underground for years. He's been famous to me for quite some time. Um, But I went to a concert when I was like a month away from turning 19 and I got a backstage pass and I asked him to write that on me because in the part of the song, the part that I was referencing was while we make and create all these beautiful mistakes. And it's just like so emphasized in the song. And I've always just loved that phrase, beautiful mistakes. You know, it's just it meant a lot to me. Um, So I had him write it on me and I got it tattooed the next day, actually with my mom who supported me in it. Um, she was starting to come around to me being different at this point, which was great. <laughs> um, I mean, she's always supported me being different, but like when when I was getting older, it was getting more and more different. so she very slowly accepted it. <laughs> um, but anyway, so I got a tattoo, so it's in his handwriting. And, um, so it's just very special to me. And then from there, like the confidence that this one little tattoo gave me, I was like, this is great. I <laughs> I need more. And so then I got another little one on my ankle and I loved the placement I loved what it looked like so I was like okay let's get more and then um I think it was end like my junior year end of my junior year I had moved back to the bay area with my grandparents for a while and I got a job at a dog hotel and I was working like 42 hours a week at $15 an hour which at the time was a lot because I'd previously only made 10
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> um I, I remember the- I remember bad yeah. days. Oh, 4 a.m. Yep. with the dogs.
0: <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, I'd wake up at 4 a.m. to bart into San Francisco. and um, But before that, I'd worked at, you know, I'd worked a couple, like, you know, job that you talk about. I worked at a hotel in Oregon, and all of that was $10 an hour, which at the time I was like, cool. But then 15, I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to be rich. And I got, like, my first $1,000 paycheck. And I was like, I, and I didn't have to pay rent because I was <laughs> sleeping on my grandparents' couch. <laughs> and so... I was like, I'm gonna treat myself and get my first big tattoo. And this is how I found Cameron Miller. And <laughs> at Warhorse Tattoo, shout out. Oh, and yes. I did so I did so much research. I did so much research because I was like, this is my body. <laughs> I need the other little ones. I knew exactly what I wanted. I had an exact image, just put this exact image on my body. But I <laughs> this is we don't have to get too into this, <laughs> but I wanted to get a portrait of Justin Bieber um with a with a rose on his
1: face and it's to kind a of gorgeous like abstract tattoo it. yeah it's, it's gorgeous. So gorgeous I, I, I we don't love even, it
0: we don't need to get into why I got it because that's going to be another thing that I talk about on my podcast A okay and that's a really long story so but anyway um and I was 21 and I was like getting my first big girl paycheck and I was researching and I was specifically looking for people who could like do good portraits and do good flowers and I stumbled upon this place in Berkeley called War Horse Tattoo. And I was looking at every single artist's portfolio. And I stumbled upon Cameron's and saw that he had done, he does beautiful roses. And I was like, his roses look so realistic. That's what I want. So I, I um hit him up and he got back to me. We had a consultation and I remember being so nervous. I was like, I had no idea what I was talking about. And he totally was like acting like I had no idea what I was talking about. Because I was like, yeah, I don't want it to be too big, like a regular portrait. Let me be like this. And I was like doing it with my hands. So I was doing it way bigger than a normal portrait actually is. And he was like, what the fuck are you talking about? And I was like, I don't know. Um, And he took my idea and he made it a million times better. And I loved it so much. Oh, my God, it was gorgeous. I put it in a place where I could like hide it from my grandparents. <laughs> so if I was wearing shorts, you can't see it. Um, which I kind of like wish I put it down a little bit more because now I want to see it more, but whatever. Um, and he just made it so gorgeous it was like five sessions and at the end of the day cost like $1,500
1: yeah. but it it like I said the shading is gorgeous like the it, it oh, looks it very it. realistic Um. and again not to not to jump ahead but I know that you also have another portrait by Cameron Miller art on your yes um, I on... have
0: Currently, I have four tattoos from him. Um, I'm going back to him in June to get my fifth. And I have plans for a sixth and seventh. Like, I'm not leaving him alone anytime soon. Um, But yes, I also, after the just- Bieber one was done, I went back to him. And pretty much anytime one was done, I would let it heal and then immediately go back for the next one. And I got Brendan Urie from Panic! at the Disco on the other side. And I got him in black and gray with a, a blue stargazer really over his eye. So it kind of matches. And I like symmetry, so it's on my other leg. Um, and then that one's obviously super gorgeous. It's like on his Instagram highlight, if anyone wants to look at it. I know, like I'm so special. Um, and then after that, I got, um, I continued to get tattoos from him. I got a, a Dracula castle, which was just, finished it still needs like 30 minutes left of work so I'm going to go back to him in June and then get one on my other side so and with every tattoo I've just gained so much confidence I feel like I'm becoming more and more the person I want to be like I have this image in my head and I'm just like working towards being exactly that and tattoos isn't the only thing leading Mm -hmm. me to that goal but it's a big part of it so that's why I keep getting them like I love using my body as a canvas you know what I mean and and putting this beautiful, decorating myself with beautiful art, you know, I'm my own altar, right? So that's kind of what the tattoos and piercings and, and stuff like that is about.
1: We love to see it. And I think one of the things that I admire about you is, and something that's a little bit rare amongst a lot of my friends is that you're in a happy and healthy relationship. So oh tell my God, us what yeah. that's like to be in... <laughs> You know, a healthy (laughs) dynamic with somebody who is also a creative like you. I know we had talked, you know, in the summer of 2020 around manifestation, which we will get into, but like, tell us what, how, how it is being, being in a dynamic of like living with this person and like having them love and support you. Like tell, tell the girls. Oh my God. It's great. Um,
0: I, you're not the first person who's been like, wow, you're in, you're actually in like a good relationship. (laughs) And I'm like. Yeah, <laughs> like I have known so many friends who are have been in just such toxic relationships, and they don't even know it, because they don't know what a good relationship looks like. Because Maybe their parents don't have a good one. or maybe they've just this is their first one or their last one was also toxic. So they think it's normal. You know what I mean? And then I've actually had a few people who have seen me with my relationship with my boyfriend, Kyle, and been like, you know what you really opened my eyes I have broken up with my boyfriend and now I have a better one because of you like people have said that to me and which is amazing I love that I can like I can spread love in this way by being an example I Mm -hmm. love being an example I love when people see me and what I'm doing with myself I mean kind of like you with the tattoos right like Mm -hmm. you came with me to one of my appointments yeah and you saw how like great of an artist Cameron was and how like happy I was getting it Mm -hmm. and that inspired you and you've since gotten like two or three from him so like I
1: have I have shout out to Cameron and
0: so yeah Cameron
1: and that's the importance of like community and I think again that's something that's remained tried and true throughout our friendship is like just seeing what the other has gone through and embracing the other and seeing like that healthy dynamic like I'm just so happy for you because again I know all yeah. that you have gone through. Um, let's talk. Yeah, I haven't about-
0: always been in <laughs> <a> healthy relationships, <laughs> and that's okay.
1: But now, like, look, like there's light at the end of the tunnel. And again, it isn't it nice to just be loved by someone who you know uplifts you and like having that like healthy and happy it dynamic is. and being with another creative, like you had mentioned, like mm-hmm. makes me feel like I don't have to hide
0: anything. I don't have to mm-hmm. think that anything is weird because me and him together are always creating our own things and collaborating like Mm -hmm. he helps me with my videos um whenever Mm -hmm. i have an idea he's Mm -hmm. like okay how are we gonna do this let's do it he'll Mm -hmm. like help me edit and he wants to help me i just filmed a video a couple weeks ago that i've been editing and i'm gonna post it hopefully later tonight but i have an intro to it that was a very clear picture in my mind and i needed his help and Mm -hmm. he actually like asked me like hey can i edit this i think i can really make this look cool and i was like yeah for sure like Whereas before I had a relationship before where um, he was also somewhat of a creative. He liked making videos, but I would definitely have to like push him to help me. And if I felt like I was pushing him too hard, I was like, I guess I'm to do this on my own. Whereas now I'm in a spot where it's just natural. We just naturally support each other and want to raise each other up and share that passion. We both love movies. I always felt weird for just constantly wanting to watch movies all the time. And, and, I have a lot of friends who are just like not like they'll watch like five movies a year and I'll watch five movies a week at minimum. Like, (laughs) And um, when I met Kyle, my boy, that's like what we bonded over first was movies. And I knew from there, like, this is going to be good. This is going to be something. And, you know, it's just so important to share a passion and then just Spread that into other forms of the relationship you know it just creates a really good bond that just like sticks and I've never really had this before and it just still is good it's been two and a half years now yeah I remember and it's yeah and you remember when we met yes
1: (laughs) I do remember when we had um, the moldavite necklace I still say you know obviously the work that you do in the relationship is what keeps it together but the moldavite I, I have some some hopes and dreams because we we prayed over it and we were like this is gonna happen this is gonna work and look at you I,
0: I cannot sing enough praises for Moldavite anytime I don't have I don't wear it anymore I still have it but I need a new chain for it but anytime someone's like is that Moldavite and I'm like yes girl get one because this is what happened this is where I was before I got the Moldavite this is where I am after the Moldavite I do that all the time <laughs>
1: it's 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 our little thing and like it's just something that that i really appreciate and so let's talk more about your creativity so i obviously know you as raven like you you my girl my raven but miss raven honeys who who is miss raven honeys tell us all about you know the the content creation and like the kind of audience that you attract yeah so
0: raven honey is my name on youtube at raven honeys and i um it's something I've always wanted to do, like have a YouTube channel, you know, and it, for years, I was too scared to start because I was like, who's gonna watch? And then I kind of like one day it just clicked. Like I, I read something or I heard something I don't remember where um, about creativity, and how if you don't act on your ideas immediately, they go away. And I thought, wow, like, that's true. Because I've been like, telling myself that I'm going to be a big YouTube star for years, but I have yet to even sit down and try to make Uh, So how am I ever going to get to that point? And it was something that really stressed me out because I was like, how am I ever going to do anything if I don't start? Um, And so I heard that and I was like, you know what? You're right. Like, who cares if it's perfect? I know it's going to make me happy and take this stress off of me and give me this creative outlet. And what's something I love? Movies. You know, what's something that's fun? Like playing games. I'm not good at them, but like I like watching people play games. So maybe people will like watching me play games. So I just like started doing it. And it just, it yeah, it gave me that outlet. And it's something that I talk about to my friends that I talk about like to myself, like I'll just re- review movies in my head. Why not put it on camera? So I created a character <laughs> of Raven Honey, which is pretty much just me. Um, but I, I usually try to go for this like almost like an Elvira type situation where I get like nice and dressed up. Another thing I love to do, I love makeup. I love uh, fashion, like weird gothic fashion. So I kind of combined it all together to be like this kind of like creepy gothic movie girl. Um, and that's just always the image I've had in my head. So I finally like did it. And similar with the podcast where I was just like, how fun would it be? Because I feel like I'm super funny when I talk with my friends. I'm like, I feel like it's really good conversation, something that I would listen to. Why not turn it into a podcast? And as soon as I had that, I, that idea I jumped on it. I reached out to one of my friends and I was like, Hey, record this with me this week. I need to do this now or it's never gonna happen. And I did and I did my own photo shoot in my house, like to do the promo and and I just did it. And I think um if I hadn't like done that, started my YouTube channel and I never would have expanded it like I have already. You know what I mean? It's about that confidence and, and that creativity. And so yeah, I just created it from a place of like needing to get out there and needing to speak and needing to like put my little put my voice out you know and be known and yeah, absolutely I'm not like famous or anything but big, I have you know I, I have a few you. subscribers no
1: I I think that you know you're very authentic and those who watch you like understand you and cheer for you and you know we we, we love you we're the honey. Do you call, you refer to us as the honeybees, if I'm not mistaken. Honeybees,
0: yeah. I just want to attract people like me, you know what Absolutely. I mean?
1: And that's, and that's exactly what you have done. And so you're obviously very much what I would consider a multi-hyphenate And being that I've known you, again, for for so, so long, I remember as a child, dogs were really, you were not a very big fan of dogs. But now, today, you're a freaking dog trainer. So talk about facing (laughs) your fears. Do you want to tell us more about how that came to be? So Raven the YouTuber and Raven the dog walker.
0: Wow, yeah, that's something that my family references constantly because I was, I had a straight up horrible phobia of dogs my whole life until I was maybe 13 years old. I could not cross the street if there was a dog at the other end did not matter what size it could be the littlest Chihuahua, or like the biggest Great Dane. If there was a dog, I could not go near it. It wasn't allowed to look at me. I've been to plenty of birthday parties where like (laughs) the other kids would have to like lock up their dogs in the back before I even entered the house. And if they didn't, I would Scream when their dog came at me. Like I've embarrassed myself so much because of dogs, and I don't know why. Like I don't know what it was, um, that got me so scared of dogs. And then I was like, you know, I don't like this. I don't like living in fear. (laughs) And you know what it was? My stepdad when he moved in when I was in high school, he had a dog. Um, she was a German Shepherd named Maddie, who I had met before. I didn't really hang out with, but she she was really fat, so she couldn't really like run, and so that made her far less scary. And so starting with her, I was like, she can't hurt me. Like she wants, she just wants love, you know? And I kind of like slowly started to get over it. And then I just dove right in with working at Wag Hotel, which was, I was 20 when I worked there, maybe 19. And I don't know, by that point, I was like, I wasn't, I, I wasn't like scared of dogs. I'd had the one, I'd had Maddie. And I was like, if I'm okay with Maddie, I'm probably cool with any dog ever now, right? So, And I needed a job and they offered it to me on the spot. So I was just like, okay. And then they threw me into a room with like 40 dogs and were like, okay, see you in seven hours. And I was like, okay. So I really, if I wasn't over it already by then, I definitely got over it very fast. And it was a really freeing experience now that Mm -hmm. I think about it, because now I love dogs. Mm -hmm. um I will always love cats more Mm -hmm. but (laughs) I I love them and now whenever I see one I'm not scared I'm happy which is quite the turnaround like if I told my 10 year old self you're gonna see a dog and you're gonna want to rush towards it and pet it rather than scream and run the other way she would be like you're crazy you're not me you know yeah
1: so if if I talked to 10 year old Raven (laughs) and told her that she made me with dogs like it it yeah it, it, I would have been like, it wouldn't have been a question. i have been like, No, you're crazy. You know, this, so this is a setup. And now I know, <laughs> like, I think that one of the things that we spoke upon um, your podcast was the way that you do your dog training, in the sense of it's not fear driven, you're not yelling at the dogs. So talk more about what your your techniques and methods are.
0: Yeah, so we do positive reinforcement only, mm-hmm. which is the idea of letting the dog make the choice to follow certain commands and then rewarding them for making that choice. So it's not about forcing them to do anything. It's not about making them like scared not to behave. It's about them like actively and happily choosing to sit or come to you or whatever through encouragement you know, and then rewarding them once they have done it. And dogs learn better that way. And honestly, people learn better that way. You know, it's anything that I do in dog training can be applied to how people learn things. Because like, think about it. If someone like screams at you, like how to do your math, you're going to do your math, but only because you're scared to get it wrong. Whereas if somebody is like helping you and supporting you and like rewarding you for doing well, you're going to want to do well, because like, to get to that reward, and then like, it turns out that you learned along the way, you know, you're doing it for the reward, but oh my gosh, I actually learned it. And now I know it. It's the same thing that I do with dog training. You know, I always tell um, my clients, like, think of it like a game, think of it like a game, and your dog completing an action is them winning that game. And then you want them to win, you're going to encourage them to win, you're going to basically cheer them on. And then reward them when they did well. And then now they're going to keep doing it because they want to please you, you know, and they want to get that reward, but then it's going to stick in their brain. And and it's just like a lot of people that I've like met in dog training, like didn't really think about it that way before. And so I love that I get to like open their minds and encourage their good relationship with their dogs. Because it's not just about your dog, like following orders. Dogs aren't meant and people, nobody, nothing is just meant <laughs> to like follow commands all the time and just be a workhorse not even horses you know what i mean so it, it's about having that positive relationship so that's what i focus on first is affection and then balancing it out with discipline and kind of having like an even scale in that way so um that's really what my methods are all about is having a positive relationship with your dog first having that bond first that encouragement that love that positivity and then once you have that everything is easier because your dog will do whatever you want you know you don't have to scream you don't have to force them they'll just do it you know and it makes everything a lot better
1: because I feel like and correct me if I'm wrong dogs are a lot smarter than we give them credit for like they obviously know who their you know i don't want to say master but who who their person is you know person or person their pet parent is what Exa- i say okay yeah exactly their pet parent they know who they are they know who the hand that feeds them so it's what would you say would you say that affirmations are the best way to have them be compliant
0: yeah definitely we use a lot of treats in our training mm-hmm. um but treats paired with like um affection to so, like saying i always say um i use a marker word yes so whenever a dog does something that you like, like you say sit or you say down and they do it, you say yes to mark that they have done that action and then you reward them for that action. So it's a lot of like talking to your dog, petting your dog. Yes, yes, yes. Good boy. Good girl. Yes. Good job. A lot of that. And that like, you know, makes them like serotonin in the dog's brain. And and the more your dog is happy, the more they want to please you. And you're absolutely right. Dogs are so smart and dogs love routine. Dogs want a job, whether or not they know it, <laughs> they need structure and so training is just a way to give them that structure and once you give it to them they're like okay bet like that's what I'll do for you because that's what you want so that's what I'll do it beforehand your dog is basically like trying to please you in a way that they think they're going to please you in a way that a dog would please another dog so like playing with you nibbling on you um bringing you things doing all that other stuff that you know, we as people don't really want our dogs to do, but the dog doesn't know that. So once we come in, like, hey, actually, here's what I want you to do. I want you to sit when I tell you to. I want you to come to me when I tell you to. I want you to wait before I give you food. Then your dog's like, oh, got it. Okay. Once you teach them that, they're like, I love you. So I'm going to do whatever you say. You know what I mean? But if you scream at your dog, every time they jump on you, every time they nibble at you, every time they try to play with you, the only thing you're teaching them is to be afraid of you. You're not teaching them not to do that stuff because they don't know what they're doing wrong. So you can't punish a dog because they will never understand what that means. All they'll know is I don't have a good relationship with my um, pet parent. you know? That's so funny. I always try to like, I write. <laughs> I try to turn it around and be like, relationship comes first. If your dog is doing something you don't want them to do. Show them what you want them to do instead. It's as easy as that. And most of the time, like more often than not, the dogs get it super quick I've had people come back to me after the first week after I've taught them two things and they'll be like my dog is better like in every way and all we taught them was sit and their name and they're already like better at everything and I'm like yeah because you put in that structure you told them how to make you happy and now they're doing it so would,
1: would you say <laughs> would you say that that's like Caesar Milan's like kind of secret sauce it's like, what what, is he, what what does he have? And again, if it's, it's okay if you don't know for sure, but it's like- Listen,
0: I've never watched Susan Malone in my life, but I've had a lot of clients that do and they always compare me to him. So I'm sure he's doing the same thing. I'm sure he is doing positive reinforcement. I can't imagine he'd be the type to do anything else. No. Being so famous, you know, and yes. this reckless idea that if you're nice to your dog, they'll do whatever you want. Um, in a world of pinch collars and shot collars and and stripped you know whatever so uh, I'll do certain activities and my clients will be like oh Caesar Milan did this on his show the other day and I was like well that's because he's a good dog trainer probably I've never watched him but good dog trainers do the same thing so. no is it, is it
1: just that you haven't watched him or is it you like I have no interest because everybody like in their mother compares me to him
0: no, or- I just never watched him. I mean, I do. I did my own certification for dog training. I never felt the need to watch other dog trainers in that way. And mm-hmm. and before I became a dog trainer, I didn't really have any interest in dog training. Mm-hmm. So I, I never felt the need to watch him. And then now that I am one, like I know about dog training, mm-hmm. I feel like if I watch him, he's just going to do stuff that I already do. That makes sense. So it's like, What's the point? You know, okay. I already have my own certification. <laughs> there you go.
1: She's like, I have my my L's. I don't need to see. To There's no competition. Yeah. I <laughs> no. mean, we can both do good dog training at the same time. It's not, you know, not mutually exclusive. <laughs> No, I hear you. Well, what is next for your YouTube channel? One thing that I really appreciate that you do, and forgive me if I don't realize if it's on your personal page or your public page is around holidays, like Halloween and Christmas, you always do like a countdown. And so- Is that something that you want to continue doing? Like, what kind of fun projects do you foresee doing for the summertime? Like, what can we look forward to?
0: Yeah, totally. Well, the next video I'm going to post is my longest video yet, where I review all of the Scream films. And something that I did before was I had reviewed all of the Hellraiser movies, which there's 10 of those. And the Scream, there's only six of them, but I still managed to talk about them for an hour and a half. So look forward to that. So I definitely want to do more content like that, where I take a look at an entire series. um, I feel like that's something that I can really make mine. And you're right for holidays, like for Halloween, I'll watch a different movie every day, specifically on my channel. I'll just try to get as much content as I can out in Halloween is like a month long Halloween special and same for Christmas and just kind of go with themes. I'm a theme gal. I love themes. Um, So I'm just gonna like continue pursuing that. And in the summer, I definitely want to focus more on like my podcasting, getting more guests, thinking of more interesting subjects with different people, playing games, um, like with the theme and um, increasing my skits. I've started doing more like skits um, in front of my YouTube videos instead of like just the review or just the game. So I think summertime is going to be a really good time where I can explore that, getting outside and and creating something like from my own brain (laughs) to like add to my videos and just make it mine I'm definitely just working towards making everything more
1: unique to me like making my channel a place where you can watch something that you can't get anywhere else and that's great and what platforms do you use where can we find you besides Instagram and YouTube
0: okay yeah well I was gonna say Instagram and YouTube Instagram Raven Honey Um, on Twitter, I don't use Twitter all that much, and I'm trying to do it more. Also, at RavenHoneyYT, and I have a TikTok um, at, yeah, which I'm trying to do more on there, too. I do a variety of stuff on TikTok, so if there's, you know, there's lots of different things that you could like there. I do hair content, yes. do piercing and tattoo content. I do short form movie content over there if you don't like hour-long videos, so, mm-hmm.
1: um, and that's just at Raven Honey. Awesome. And so as we wrap up, are there I know that you are extremely unique in your own right, but are there any other creatives that you might want to highlight or shout out that maybe do similar work to you or that you just want to to give a platform to right now?
0: Totally. Yeah. Um, well, besides you, of course, because I love you.
1: Aww. um
0: my my boyfriend has his own YouTube channel that he's starting up. Um he's working on videos now that they're not quite up there yet, but it's at O Donovan Son on YouTube, um, Donovan Son. <laughs> so um, and then he also has a twitch under the same name and he'll stream on there sometimes. And then I have this good friend who um, is also a dog trainer with me at my same store, who's also a, um, an aspiring actor, um, which I am in LA. and we we've just been talking recently about like collabing and working together and like trying to like encourage each other. To pursue our own passions, and he's doing a really good job at that. Um, his name is Justice at Instagram Justice The Word. Um, so check him out on there. He's he's got some
1: interesting stuff going on. Amazing. And so again, just to remind the folks um what your at is if you wanna if you don't mind spelling it for the peoples.
0: Yeah. So at uh YouTube, I'm at Raven Honeybee. R A V E N H O N E Y B E E. And then on Instagram, Raven Honey YT, Raven Honey, and then Y T. Um, same on Twitter, and then Raven Honey just on TikTok. R A V N H O N E. Okay,
1: well, thank you so much, Raven. Again, I look forward to seeing you just personally in person. I'm excited to also see your new tattoos. Shout out to Cameron Miller from Warhorse Tattoo in Berkeley, California. We both love him, you know, for all the the work that he's done on I'll see him in us. June. Yes, Cameron, <laughs> if you're listening, we will see you very, very soon. I also need to hit <laughs> you up about some ink. But without further ado, thank you so much for coming through. And we'll end the recording here. E- thank